y'all hear this go off, I've done it at 34 minutes. I, I firmly believe in respecting what you're asked to do. So when it goes off, I'm going to have to walk off in mid-sentence. But I'll be off here in 35 minutes because the pastor told me to. Amen. And that may be the best. That may be the best thing I say while I'm up here. For you young fellows, listen real well. When the pastor tells you what to do, you do. You say, "Well, God, no, 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 no. God didn't give you anything that violates His word." First Timothy chapter number four. First Timothy chapter four. Boy, I sure do love Brother Simpson. Don't you? He don't know this, but he's my backup plan. If they ever run me off at Lighthouse, I'm gonna go join his church. And uh, and uh, try to be a good church member as best as possible. Amen. First Timothy chapter number four. How exciting, brother Josh! I thought we were friends. I thought we had been friends for a long time. And he said, brother Mike, I need you to to come and deal with social media. I thought, well, that's going to be interesting. I, I guarantee you, I will make everybody in here mad at some time in the next thirty-five minutes because I'm going to say something that you're going to disagree with. And I just that's cool. Just don't pull your knife or your gun. Let me let me get out of the parking lot. I got a family to finish raising. And uh, because I can't win this, there's no way, no matter what I say, it's going to be disagreeable with somebody. But in the same, it's fun, right? So I faked being sick for two years to get out of this. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I really didn't fake being sick for two years. I'm wasting my time. I've got to get into this. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. First Timothy chapter number four, First Timothy. There's pros and cons to this subject of social media, as we're going to talk about today. And I'll give you a little bit of both, the pro and the con, and then I'll give you some instruction that if you if you decide to be on there, some things to consider that will help you and I to represent our Lord well. And uh, it doesn't matter what we put our hand to. We need to make sure we always understand first and foremost, if we are preachers of the gospel, we are representing a, a cause much higher than we. And uh, it's not about our name, it's about His name. Everything you do in your life is a reflection on the one that you represent. And so we want to, we want to, we want to try to keep that in mind this morning. We're in 1st Timothy chapter number 4. 1st Timothy chapter number 4. Real quickly, just to give you a, a quick outline on what, what's being talked about in the first about six verses. Uh, Paul is telling Timothy what's coming and why and his responsibility on how to deal with it. Then in verses 7 through or down about verse number 11, he tells them some other things as a minister to consider and how he should instruct on them. I'm going to start reading, if I could, in verse number 12. The Bible says this, Let no man despise thy youth, Paul tells Timothy, but be thou an example of the believers. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the prebistry. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Can I say that everything I've read up to this point, from verse 12 down to verse 15, social media can challenge you to effectively execute everything that Paul's already told Timothy to be attentive to. Verse 16, he says this, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Let's ask God to bless what time we have together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. It's Lord matchless. I pray, God, in the next few minutes you would help us, Lord, to consider some things in the arena of social media and the minister's role in it, Lord, that will help us be better stewards of our 
responsibility to set an example before the believer and also before the world. Have your way in our lives. We'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I agree with what Brother Montgomery said earlier when he said social media is here to stay. It's like running water. It ain't going nowhere. I mean, we're we're not going to eradicate it from our culture. And to be honest with you today, I'm not a doom and gloom guy about it. I don't want to be a reactionary, nor do I want to be irrational. I want to try to land on my feet as I talk to you about this subject matter in a responsible way that will help you whatever decision that you make. If you are an individual who has decided to completely stay away from it, I respect your opinion as a brother in Christ. And if you're an individual who is active on social media or in some way, shape, or form are using it, then I respect your position as well. I personally believe this about social media. I believe it's like money. I believe it's amoral. Meaning in and of itself, it has no value of either being good or bad, either being evil or, or, or any other thing else. It just simply means this for you and I. It's all about what we do with it. Now, can social media be a bad thing? You better believe it can. It's well documented that it can be bad. First of all, let me just deal with this. Uh, social media is very, it can be very addictive. Everything Paul talked to Timothy about that he needed to develop or put his time and attention into, uh, which was, first of all, himself, his doctrine, reading, all those things, trust me now, if you have a, an addiction to social media that you can't control, it will fight you at every turn. In, in those areas. <clears throat> it can be very, very much a time waster in mind in your life. And not only that, if you're going to be on social media, it, it really raises the risk of you being exposed to things that you don't need to be exposed to. You have to walk into that very responsibly realizing that everything I just said to you and a whole lot more than I have time to touch on as far as a risk is very possible in the arena of social media. But then you have to also consider this, Can it have a a positive purpose? And the answer is yes. I personally believe this, that that's also well documented. Uh, On an individual level, I believe that there's a lot of risk involved with social media. But on a corporate level, and when I say corporate, I'm talking about for the church as an entity, I believe social media has shown that it can play a very positive role. I'll give you a few personal illustrations of that. We have a a family sitting in our church right now that found us when they were getting ready to relocate from Colorado to North Carolina. They found us on social media. They watched our messages for six months, overlooked our doctrinal statement, and whenever the Lord gave them the green light to move to North Carolina, they had a church before they had a place to live. They already knew when they got there. They didn't have to visit around. They knew because of what they had seen on social media. We right now as a church, because we are very aggressive as, as a body about how we use this tool or try to effectively, we are picking up prospects for our bus ministry from social media. I have kids signing up right now for Bible school in a few weeks because of social media. Our bus ministry gets... Uh, people regularly from social media. We have an addictions ministry. We we get the word out to the community about that through the avenue of social media. And so it's got a possibility to play some positive roles. And I personally have taken the 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 the, um, the the pathway as a pastor that since I am charged with reaching the world, I have to give consideration to the fact that it is a place the world's hanging out. And while, yes, I will agree with anybody that said, yes, but it's full of darkness and wickedness, yes, that is true, but if I remember our responsibility right, we are to be the light of that lost and dying world. No reason to abandon and cuss the darkness. Just my opinion, 
whenever I am charged responsibly with lighting it. I'll give you a few statistics to consider this morning about social media, and then we'll dive into what Paul charged Timothy with. First of all, realize this, the average user spends about two and a half hours a day on social media. Teens, on the other hand, are averaging about eight hours a day, and 26% of social media users are from the age of 18 to 29 years old. That's a big demographic, by the way. It's a demographic that we will stand in our churches and lament the idea that that is the age group that is leaving Christianity in droves. We realize that if we do not replace on our pews some of our senior saints that are going on to glory with the next generation of young people and families, we're in trouble in 30 years. So can I ask you a question? Is it really wise for us to abandon that place as God's people and especially as the church? But with that possible prospect of using it as a tool comes an admonition and a warning from Paul. Look in verse 16 again what he ended the chapter saying to this protege. He said, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Continue in what? Continue in keeping an eye on yourself and making sure you're developing in the right way, making sure nothing is getting a hold of you, making sure that you're not getting bound down with activity that is going to stunt your growth or cause you not to be the minister that God has called you to be. And in all of that, make sure you're growing and developing in your doctrine. It's important. Now with that, make sure we back up now to verse number 12 and look at the responsibility Paul laid upon the shoulders of this young man. He said in verse 12 of the same chapter that, that, that Timothy should let no man despise his youth. That word despise means to have a low opinion of what he was saying was this to Timothy. And, and I agree with whatever I believe it was Brother Simpson said. He was not probably as young of a man as many of you are. But what he was saying to Timothy is this. Do not allow your immaturity to come out and cause people to look at the ministry or the position that you hold with disdain. In other words, being called to this office raises your responsibility and therefore you have to be sober enough before you ever take the hold of the plow to say, I am accepting what is expected of me as a preacher of the gospel. I'm not trying to start a fight today or anything like that. But I will say this, a man who's old enough to receive the call to the ministry is old enough to wear the responsibility of acting like a minister. I know why we use this terminology and phraseology. I do. I know why we, we use the phrase of preacher boys, but you and I both know it's not in the Bible. The Bible only refers to those that are called to this ministry as men of God. They may be young men and they may be older men, but listen to me now. I'm afraid if we call them boys too much, they may think it's not important to carry themselves in a manner of maturity and responsibility. But if you are old enough to hear God call you into it, then you are old enough to mature enough that in your example to your peer group, it is one that is befitting of a man of God. Brother Josh was filling our pulpit at our church before he was old enough to drive by himself. Matter of fact, I would go out of town and someone would have to drive Brother Josh to Lighthouse Baptist Church to fill in for me when I was not there. Was he mature enough to handle it at that time? I don't know. I just know he was scared enough of his daddy not to mess up. I knew that his daddy would kill him if he preached anything that would give me trouble. So I said, come on, Brother Josh, and preach for us while we're away. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. So when Paul's telling Timothy here about being an example of the believer, notice what he said in verse 12. That's what the example he was supposed to be setting. It was to be an example of the believer. In other words, whenever people look at your life, Timothy, they should say, that is how I ought to act. Everything about that man is something I can mimic as a model for my life. And that does not disconnect whenever you log on. It's a, it's a huge responsibility. I get that. But whenever you and I stand up, nobody putting pressure on us and say, God has called me to this. You are embracing that responsibility to be an example of the believer. Let's walk through them quickly here with what time we have left and see how it, how it interweaves itself into our online presence if we have one. Paul told Timothy this, let no man despise thy youth, but, in conjunction to that, be an example of the believer. In the first category he touches on is in word, which means this, in what you say. Can I say to all of us today that people are going to judge us and ultimately what we say we are by what what they see us post and then how we handle ourselves on social media. Don't forget this, the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Everything that we post either builds our name or tears it down. Everything. Now, we should do what we can to secure a good name. And here's why, because you've got to remember, ultimately, the Bible teaches you and I, not just us, all Christians, but us as an example, we are ambassadors. According to 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are ambassadors, the Bible says, for Christ. In other words, that means this. Our actions and our interactions ultimately reflect on our Lord. And with social media, everything we post, everything we say, the world gets the chance to look at. It's bigger than our name, it's about His name. As a nation, we choose ambassadors that will go to foreign countries and represent our interests. And listen to me closely. If one of the ambassadors of the United States walks into a meeting with heads of state of other nations and gets loose with their lips, we could be at war in a matter of minutes. So whenever an ambassador of Christ, especially a minister of the Word is online our words can either be used by God to do great things in people's lives or they can also start unnecessary battles. Can I be honest with you today? I'm so thankful this stuff was not available when I was where you're at. I really am. I mean that because it was one less arena for me to make mistakes. And I have made enough already. I'm glad it wasn't available. But it does give me a heart to help you any way that I can not make those kinds of mistakes. Last night we had two seasoned men of God uh, on the platform preaching the Word of God to our hearts. Did you notice how they carried themselves? Did you notice what they said last night? Very calculated. Knowing that because if we're going to be open and online like all these services are, then everything you say, listen now, is broadcast to the world. And Paul told Timothy that in your words you have to be 
sober and be an example. Number two, he said this, not only in your word are you to be a believer, or excuse me, an example of the believer, but also in your conversation. So it's what we say, and then it's also how we act in our behavior. Do you realize this morning that there are at least three qualifications for us that come under examination by how we act on social media? You're in 1 Timothy 4. Just flip back to 1 Timothy 3. I'll show you, touching on them quickly, what three that I'm talking about. If you remember correctly, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, it says, The bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober. What's this now? Of good behavior. In other words, it is possible for a church that might would look at you one day as a candidate to overlook you because of bad behavior on social media. And it may even be possible for the church that you pastor now, if you already are, to uh, take issue with bad behavior on social media. We're supposed to be men of good behavior, behaving ourselves, carrying ourselves in a way that is becoming of an ambassador, a a leader of a local assembly, good behavior. Not only that, but down in verse number 3, another qualification that comes under scrutiny because of our online behavior is this. He said that, a, a minister should not be a brawler. That word brawler simply means one who is not peaceable. We have to be very careful that we don't spend our days online being argumentative and contentious all the time. But rather, we're supposed to be a men that are associated more with peace than we are with war. And then down in verse number 7, listen closely here. He said, moreover, that you and I are to be men that have a good report of them that are without. Meaning those outside the church. We have to have a measure or level of creditability with those that are unsaved in the community that we live in. I have a cousin who has a pastor who almost every single day seemingly is posting about either politics or some strange conspiracy theory that he has. Can I say, be very careful airing out your political views. This is where I start losing people, but it's okay. You have to understand this. You and I are charged by God to go after the souls of all men. And if we are not careful, we will, we will offend half of our community based on our political views. Now listen, if you cut me, I bleed red, white, and blue. There's not a more patriotic man in this building than me this morning, but I want you to understand something. I fly the right flag at the top of the pole. In other words, before my nationalism sets in, my Christianity trumps it every time. I have very strong political opinions. I have very strong social opinions but I have to remember that whether you vote blue or whether you vote red, you're my responsibility. And why offend you over a political opinion when I'm charged first to reach you with the gospel? You say, are you telling me to forfeit my freedom of speech? My question would be, what citizen of what country are you first? The church should never become a lap dog for any party. So come Sunday morning, whenever our visitors walk in, I don't know how you're registered. 
But if I'll check my politics at the door and preach the gospel, you have an opportunity to get born again. Remember now, when it comes to our behavior, we are charged to or required to be sober, which means self-controlled. It is a, a product of being filled with the Spirit. The Bible tells you and I that we are one of the one of the fruits of the Spirit is temperance. Means this, I can roll by things online, and, and this is something that if you're going to be online, you're going to have to do this on, on the daily. You have to roll by things, read them, and think, oh my, I'd love to comment. I mean, I'd love to just drop the cuffs and step out in the yard and get a street fight going on that. And the, the right decision usually is. Roll on. Just roll on. I honestly can't believe some churches have not already dismissed their pastors. Because of two things. Number one, their behavior on social media. And number two, the evidence that they spend way too much time there. If I'm sitting in a pew living on warmed over sermons that you got out of an outline book, but you've been on social media for eight hours fighting this week, I'm not coming long. I ain't coming long. I'm going somewhere else where there is a preacher that isn't worried about being somebody or starting a fight or keeping one going, but spends his time on his knees and in the book so when I get there, I can get fed. give you something to consider this this morning concerning proverbs 9 7 the bible says this i'm talking about your online behavior he that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame and he that rebuketh a wicked man listen now getteth himself a blot i promise you this you're never going to change the mind of that scorner you are wasting your time in a back and forth tug of war but i tell you what we can do in that online fight before the world. We'll never change the scorner's mind, but we may turn the stomach of 100 sinners. We may turn the stomach of 100 sinners in the process. And can I say this? If the debate turns toxic, and most of the time it does, you'll have as big a black eye as the person you're fighting with. You say, yeah, but what about Paul? He debated down at Mars Hill, those scoffers. Yeah, but do you realize that was a very localized scene in a circle of people, and if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost, nobody else would know about it. Nobody would know about it. That moves us to the next responsibility we have as an example to the believer. He said in word and conversation, but then he also said this for us in charity. Do you realize our responsibility is to love the sinner and the saint equally? Friend and foe equally. If you look at what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 and verse number 43 of the book of Matthew, He said this, You've heard it said by them of, uh, excuse me, you have heard it said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But then He says this, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And then he goes on to say this, that if we love them which love us, what reward have we for that? Do not sinners or publicans the same. So the person on social, after you post, that comes in and sucker punches you, and they're good at that. 
You know what the Lord said? I forbid you to allow that to make you bitter. I forbid you to feel about them the way they feel about you. I want you to be like me. I want you to love them in spite of how they treat you. You say, I can't take that. We'll stay away from it. Wait, 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 wait. This will happen eventually. If you're, if you're online long and you get into a back and forth, wait till the Holy Spirit makes you call a truce with an adversary. If you walk with Him, He will. He will not accept our stunted growth in an arena where we are called to be more godlike than than act like lost people. Everybody and anybody can love the people that love them, but God was able to love those who did not love Him. So He says, in our charity, I'll move on so we don't have to fill the altar up now. The next thing He mentions in verse 12 is our spirit. In word, it's what we say. In conversation, it's how we act. In charity, it's how we love. And in spirit, it's how I handle myself. One thing you have to consider this morning is that social media is overrun with people that do not have the expectation of being the example. And they can take cheap shots at you and incite your flesh and there are no repercussions for them. Many of them are not ambassadors for Christ. They don't have to watch what they say. They don't have to control their flesh. And then there's some that are even claimed to be in the family of God and claim to be even in the ministry who do not have a good name and they would love nothing more than to ruin yours. I think some guys felt called to Twitter church. They pastor it. But you want to know what I've noticed about those guys? It's always somebody who that's the only ministry they have. If you step back, you will not find guys that are getting anything done for God on there back and forth all week long. Don't exist. So for some guys, since they have nothing else going on in their life and ministry, why don't I distract somebody who does? Till they get to the place where their ministry is as dry and fruitless as mine is. So what do they do? They go after guys who are getting something done for Jesus. Now, to be honest with you, I've had run-ins with those online crowd. and Can I tell you this, that what they portray and what they actually are is miles apart. I'm going to stop and call time out and say this just because I feel like it could be advantageous. Don't waste your time engaging those who have left what we are. Respect their soul liberty. Let them go. They need you and I to fuss with them about their leaving. They they have nothing if we just let them go. You say, yeah, but what about the accusations that are not true? Who cares? Didn't God tell us in Romans chapter 12 not to avenge ourselves? But commit that vengeance to the one that is able? I, I wasn't saved in independent Baptist. I was saved in a Southern Baptist church, left six months after getting saved, and found this. I didn't get to grow up in this. So I'm very appreciative for this. I'm, I missed out on all this as a young man. I'm getting all I can get now because I missed out on so much. 
But I can tell you this from experience. Listen closely now. They don't care about God's glory. And they do not care about the health of the church. And I'll tell you why I know that for. Because when I have been engaged online, many times I've said, well, if you would like to have a conversation about this, here's my number. We're not doing this before the world. And my phone has rung this many times. This many times. A man that had any regard for the glory of God and the health of the church would say, let's just talk about it behind closed doors. Like when you've been offended, you know, Matthew 18-ish, you go in private. We talk about it, nobody else knows it. We settle it and we deliver the church from any hurt over it. And a man that had any God about him at all would say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to message this guy privately and see if I can talk to him. we got a lot of keyboard cowboys out there. And I promise you something on my southern raisin. Listen to me good now. There's a lot of them real tough behind a keyboard. They wouldn't utter a word of that standing looking you here. So don't waste your time with a coward. And let me remind you of this too, fellas. God did not, part of your calling is not to defend a brand. You're called to preach the gospel. Brands come and go. Matter of fact, I'll say this unapologetically, God didn't call us to defend the ministry of dead men. That's not my responsibility. And not only that, but if you're wise, you will not allow other men to put you on trial for the ministry of dead men. Last time I checked, we're independent. Which means every man's ministry stands on its own on the Word of God. We give each other the sole liberty. Listen, now you can be different than me. I won't give an account for you and you won't give an account for me. You can support the meetings, the missionaries, anybody else you want to. And who I support's on me. That's why we're independent. But don't get drugged into that, 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 that mud-throwing contest. It's a waste of time. It's foolishness. Moving on quickly. I have a handful of minutes left. We move next now in, in this charge from Paul to Timothy about being an example. After getting past the spirit part, he tells him that he also needs to be an example in faith. What he believes. What he can, what he can, what he can contend for. Now, I want you to understand something. Everybody, everybody starts out a novice. That's not anything to be offended about. We all start out novical in our understanding of the faith. And can I say this, this morning that a man that, that knows he's a novice is a lot safer than the guy who is and doesn't think he is. You say, what does that have to do with my, my social media presence? Here's what it has to do with. As a novice, most of what you believe is just stuff you've heard. And it may be right as the meal. But all you really know right now is what you've heard a preacher say from the pulpit. You know, I'm premillennial. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm King James. I'm, you know, all that stuff. And you get up and you'll go to preaching that stuff. And next thing you know, you go online fighting about that stuff. But until you have wrestled with the Scriptures in the secret place... To the place where you can come out with your Bible and articulate your position, you're not ready to enter that online debate. It is not a good idea. I'll throw a tough one at you real quickly and we'll have a little fun and then I'll get out of the way, okay? So, 
I would dare to say in this meeting that the overwhelming majority of you are probably very anti-Calvinist. Right. Very anti-Calvinistic in your theology. The question is, but can you handle the Calvinist? And then I have to ask you a question because eventually they're going to kick you in the teeth with this one. Do dead Calvinists get a pass? Do we just not like the living Calvinist? But then do we idolize the dead Calvinist? I mean, isn't it a little weird to have like Bible colleges who have courses against Calvinism and then have another course that, that exalts one of the greatest Calvinists of all time? And we wonder why our young men are a little confused. Right? I mean, can I really preach against Calvinism on Sunday morning and then Sunday night? Quote Brother Spurgeon. Don't, don't give me that. Oh, no, he didn't have the light we had. They had way more, they had much more light than we got. Those guys didn't have social media and TV. They read theology books for fun. Don't tell me we were more educated than they were. They may not have had Logos or Logos or however you say that, but they, trust me, they knew what they were talking about. Matter of fact, Brother Spurgeon said something like this, to deny Calvinism, he said, is to deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, 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 now. Hang on a second. You say, what will you do with that? Well, understand this. Any and all men have a chinch in their armor. One of my favorite Bible character, Bible preachers is Peter. Peter was told for three and a half years by Jesus, take this gospel to the entire world. By the time you get to Acts 10, he's still struggling with his racism. He's still, oh no, go, go to them Gentiles. Not me. Oh, not me. No, no, no. I ain't never ate anything common or unclean, Lord. Oh, no, 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 not me, not me, not me. No, 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 no. Hey, it was so bad. It was so bad. It was so bad. Listen to me closely. That the Lord had to raise up Paul to go do what Peter wouldn't do. And Peter struggled his whole life because by the time you get to Galatians, he still won't eat with the Gentile converts when the Jews are around. Can I just give you this? Okay. Here's the truth of the matter. The Calvinist, they don't really believe y'all what they tell y'all they believe on social media. And here's why I'll prove it to you. When they preach in their churches, they'll do John 3.16 just like me and you. They're kind of like the crazy uncle. Everybody's got one. All right? And we don't cut our crazy uncle out of the family. We put our arm around him at the, at the family reunion once a year and we listen to his conspiracy theories, right? And we say, that's right, Uncle Bob. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because I'm going to be honest with you now, and this is more, some more of you may not like me when this is done. But if that Calvinist guy that's a closet Calvinist, they're like Masons, they have these secret codes, you know. Hey, I can't share all my theology publicly, but when we get in private, I'll disciple you into the deeper things of God. Right? But on Sunday morning, it's John 3.16, it's a whosoever will. He died for the world. And if you believe, you can get it. Ain't no threat. Ain't no threat. He's so scared to let his real feelings and theology be known. As long as he stays in the closet with all that other stuff, ain't no threat. Because if I understand my Bible right, listen to me closer now. The gospel's to the power of God and the salvation. And if a lost man like Judas can preach it and it have and it have something behind it, I'm out of time. Thank you, Pastor.
to have him come back and do a thing on Calvinism. 